Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hi, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Program, right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. I think we're in our 22nd or 23rd year, and I'm very happy to be with all of you today. Now, I want to ask you a question. Do you want to live a committed life? Many of us say that we do, but do we really? How do we find freedom and fulfillment and a purpose that's larger than ourselves? And today, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about this with Lynn Twist, who is the founder of the Soul of Money Institute and author of the best-selling, award-winning book, The Soul of Money, Transforming Your Relationship with Money and Life. She has a new book, and her new book is Living a Committed Life, Finding Freedom, and fulfillment in a purpose larger than yourself. For over 40 years, Lynn has worked with over 100,000 people in 50 countries in the arenas of fundraising with integrity, conscious philanthropy, strategic visioning, and having a healthy relationship with money. Her clients include Microsoft, Procter & Gamble, the International Unity Church, Charles Schwab, United Way, the Black Theater of Harlem, Harvard University, and many others. She's a sought-after speaker and is presented for the United Nations, Beijing Women's Conference, State of the World Forum, Synthesis Dialogues with the Holiness of the Dalai Lama, and the Governor's Conference of California of Women, among many others. Lynn Twist is recognized as a global visionary. She's been an advisor to the Desmond Tutu Foundation and the Nobel Women's Initiative. Lynn is a recipient of numerous prestigious honors, including the Women of Distinction Award from the United Nations. She's also a co-founder of the Pachamama Alliance, a nonprofit organization whose mission is to empower indigenous people of the Amazon forest to preserve their lands and their culture. In addition, Lynn serves on a number of nonprofit boards, including the Fetzer Institute the Institute of Noetic Sciences, Bioneers, Conscious Capitalism, and Women's Earth Alliance. From working with Mother Teresa in Calcutta to the refugee camps in Ethiopia and the threatened rainforest of the Amazon, Lynn's on-the-ground work has brought her a deeper understanding of the social tapestry of the world and the historical landscape of the times that we are living in. Well, welcome, Lynn. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be with you. Thank you. And that's quite an amazing legacy that you have. (laughs) Well, it says that I'm old, (laughs) that I've been around for a while, but I feel refired, not retired in this phase of my life. So, And that's a great thing to talk about, certainly, because we still have ageism in our culture, right? Where we think people who are older are just going to retire. But Mm -hmm. other cultures, people are really... Elders are recognized and revered, correct? And you've been in many other cultures. Yes, yes. That's very important to Indigenous people in particular who I work with now. So it's a wonderful time to be working with them when I'm considered an elder and a sage. I like that. That's a good That's a good way to be. <laughs> Absolutely. So let me first start by asking you about 
you know, your work with over 100,000 people in, in, home, in so many countries, in over 50 countries. And I guess I'm going to ask you a question that's not on the script, because I think it's something that everybody is concerned about today. We are living in a troubled time, and we know that. Um, we're living in a time where people right now are not considerate. There's a lot of bullying. There's a lot of name calling. There's a lot of not taking responsibility. There's also a lot of beauty, but there is that. And we're seeing it now more than ever, and we're seeing it with our leaders. Now, you've traveled the world. I guess what I'm going to ask you for is where is the hope? Um, well, <clears throat> I think we give way too much attention to violence and divisiveness yeah. and darkness and um, crime. Uh, because if you really look, take the long view, uh, there's less crime than there's ever been in the history of the world. There's fewer wars than there have ever been in the history of the world. People are living longer. There's never been so many generations of people uh, working together on the planet as there is now. Civil society is way more powerful than governments. Governments need to get reelected, and so they do all the shenanigans they need to to get reelected. So they can't really take on long-term problems. And the problems we have, the challenges we have are long-term. And mm -hmm. where the heart and soul of the world is now is in what uh, what most people would call civil society. That is the millions of organizations that some people would call nonprofit. Mm -hmm. I call them social profit organizations and the hundreds of millions of volunteers, boards of directors, mm -hmm. um, uh, churches, um, uh, environmental organizations, young people's uh, marching and Fridays for the future. You know, that's where the power is. That's actually what's happening under the radar. I had a wonderful conversation with Governor Jerry Brown the other day, who was who passed more climate uh, legislation than any uh, person in American history. He's turning 85 tomorrow, mm -hmm. and he's totally still on the job. He's running something called the Climate Institute, where uh, United States and China at the sub-national level are doing so much collaborating, mayors, um, uh, um, uh, governors, uh, uh, leaders of companies are collaborating under the subnational level. The national levels in the news, we're fighting each other, you know, politically and power grabs, et cetera. But under the radar, people are good. People are healthy. People are loving life. People are making the world work. Mm -hmm. Paul Hawken, the great ecologist, says this, this, the largest participation event in human history is now bigger than World War I or World War II, people are on the playing field, playing their heart out to turn around the climate crisis, to connect with each other, uh, and to make the world work. So I look from a different lens. Mm -hmm. I take all the positive news feeds I can. I think social media and the media has been hijacked by negativity. Mm -hmm. And so we don't really hear what's happening that's no, we popular. Don't. We don't. And, and particularly on the news recently, you know, all you hear is, as you said, is the sensational, the negative. We're just giving a lot of attention to it and feeding it, you know. And as yeah. you said in your book, what it, it, what do you what you appreciate appreciates. Well, that can be on the negative side too, right? Okay. When it's on and also grows. Yeah, um, yeah. So that that's really what we're looking at. The other thing I want to ask you, and this is a quote, I think a question for so many of us in this country. 
you know, with the pandemic from the last three years, there's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of depression. There is more mental health issues now than ever before. Uh, mental health awareness is on the rise, which is good because before it was in the closet. The question is, what do you say to people who just are so anxious about everything that's happening? How do you help them? Of course, when we have uncertainty, it's followed by anxiety. But what would your, again, your message of hope, of hope be, Lynn? Um, well, I think we, uh, I think we have anxiety and worry about the world um, generally. There's a, 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 you know, kind of a free floating, free floating anxiety. I'll call it now. Uh, because the climate crisis is so severe and so scary and people don't know what to do with it. Um, but I I know that what happens for me, and I recommend this to people, if you think about worry, if you're worrying about your children or worry about your grandchildren, worry is actually a form of negative prayer. Mm. Um, that phrase comes from the great Michael Beckwith. And when I heard that, I realized that I'm actually, when I'm worrying about my kids in particular, or even worrying about the future, it's kind of like a negative prayer. And when you get into action, you can't worry. You don't have time. Mm -hmm. You're busy making it work. Mm -hmm. So my number one, my number one recommendation is stop worrying and get into action. You won't have time to worry. You'll be too busy making things work, making things happen. You know, taking your complaints and turn them into commitments is really what I recommend. And then number two, I just want to promote something that's so beautiful that doesn't get enough attention, and that is the uh, the movement of young people, very uh, powerful and beautiful young people, uh, have this, um, there's so many organizations, but the one I want to highlight is called Daybreaker. And Daybreaker is 500,000 young people who get up in the morning and rather going in clubs tonight at club to dark smoky clubs at night where there's bouncers outside who, you know, who were big, scary people and wait in line forever to get in. And when you get in there, you can't see because it's too dark and it's there's drugs and alcohol and everybody's kind of out of it to getting up early in the morning and breaking uh, the day together. It's called Daybreaker. Mm. And I was there last uh, Sunday at, at the San Francisco event. There were 2000 young people mm. and get up. It's called Sober Dancing. Uh, early in the morning and dance, dance, celebrate life, hug. There's a hugging committee when you come in the into the uh, into the door rather yeah. than a bouncers and um, you know, get 10 hugs. And then you join and dancing and celebrating life and belonging and connecting with each other. And wow. it's it's an, uh, a movement that's so healthy and so beautiful. It's been going for 10 years and um, daybreaker. It's and is it only in California or is it is it in now in other parts of the country? No, it's all over the world. It's just amazing. And it's now so uh, like a tonic for young people who um who really want to celebrate life rather than worry about it. Mm, it gives me the shivers. I mean, that's incredible. So people can log on to Daybreaker. Yes, and they can find the events there on the 10th anniversary tour. I'm speaking at uh, some of them because a dollar for every person who comes uh, is going to the Pachamama Alliance, our organization. And then the owner of Daybreaker, the founder, is matching that. But um, the point of this is more to say that their antidote to depression and despair and discouragement is celebration, dancing, gratitude, belonging, mm. community. Mm. And it's healthy for your body. It's healthy for your spirit. 
It's healthy for your emotions and it's healthy for everyone you touch. So I just love that thing. And I just wanted to say I'm I'm connected with Daybreaker through the founder, Radha Raghawal. And um, I'm so grateful that young people are finding their own way to not take drugs for depression, but to, ch- to cheer, celebrate, hug, dance, know that life is really not only worth living, but it's something to celebrate. That's so beautiful. Thank you. And thank you for letting us know about that. Amazing. Speaking of that kind of amazing feeling, let's talk about some of the lessons that you learned from Mother Teresa, who is who is a source of life. Well, uh, Mother Teresa, um, as everybody knows, you just say her name and um, there's an experience of grace, um, of sacred uh, reverence. And she was a simple, uh, beautiful soul. Um, she didn't talk a lot. I was lucky enough to know her. I worked on hunger and poverty for many, many years in my life. And that took me to India, of course. And when I was in India working with uh, the Hunger Project, I um, I was lucky enough to begin a relationship with her through a friend who I will always be indebted to, Indira Koitra, who introduced me to Mother Teresa. And after my first meeting with her, where which was a very um, life-altering experience for me because I was raised as a Catholic. I wasn't, um, I didn't stay a Catholic, I'll say. I still have that upbringing and a lot of those values, but I'm, I don't go to church anymore. Um, but I, I really, when I was a young woman and I grew up in a Catholic family, I developed an inner life. And um, when I was with Mother Teresa in the very first meeting, um, she she demonstrated with uh, her countenance and her way of being that she saw Christ in every face. Mm. That there's no one who doesn't deserve to uh, to be loved. No one, even the rudest, most obnoxious people, even a criminal, even the current situation we have in our country with the political divide that there's no one uh, who doesn't deserve love and, 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 and an experience of being seen. And, um, and that was so true for me in all my encounters with her. I went to the leprosy center with her. I, I worked, I volunteered at the home of death and dying, Kaligat in Calcutta to hold people and sing to them until they died. And they were the last stages of their life. Street people who had no treatment, mm. who were skinny as bones. And, um, there was a reverence for just plain being alive that she taught me and everybody who whose life she touched. And then I also learned a lot from her about fundraising. Now, nobody expects you to say that about Mother Teresa, but I'm going to say it because she was one heck of a fundraiser. If she asked you for money, you did not say no to that woman. And you would think, why does she need money? You know, she lived with the Sisters of Charity like the poor, the missionaries of charity. But she started 401 missions in 103 countries in a very short time. And that took that took massive financial resources that we don't even think about when we say her name. Mm. And she did that. She was a very skillful uh, manager of financial resources and how to direct them in a way that they would make the most difference for the most people. Mm, incredible. Oh, so inspirational and so amazing, your stories, and so rich. So if mm. people want to know more, and, and a lot of this is in your book, 
Uh, it's Living a Committed Life by Lynn Twist, forward by Van Jones, um, finding purpose and fulfillment in a purpose larger than yourself. And people can um, log on to Soul of Money. Is that correct? Soulofmoney.org? Yes, they can. Is that That's the correct one. Terrific. Yes, yes, yes. All right. We're talking to Lynn Twist. Um, amazing. And when we come back, we'll talk more about how do you handle suffering in your life? What is that really about? Um, what is gratitude? And we'll talk about some of the things that um, Lynn grew up with. And it was my generation too, like EST, which was an amazing personal growth organization that transformed millions of people's lives. And there was a lot of controversy around that. And we'll talk about that when we come back as well. And so many other incredible stories from Lynn Twist's book. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. And we'll be right back. Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Planning for college? Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton, a former admissions officer at the University of Pennsylvania and featuring her fellow admissions and college finance experts from Bright Horizons College Coach. The show shares what colleges are really looking for and how to highlight your hard-won achievements for the best chance at success. New episodes air every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. As humans, we suffer when we believe we are not good enough. We are taught we must be better, look better, try harder, and achieve more. We cope with the stress and disappointment of life in ways that make us feel worse and keep us stuck in a cycle of unworthiness. We don't have to live this way. You don't have to live this way. Kirsten and her guests will share how self-acceptance and unconditional self-love can help you break this cycle and find freedom. Listen to Giraffe Tango Octopus, Freedom for Humans, with Kirsten Johansson, Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone. We are back. My guest today is Lynn Twist. She's the founder of the Soul of Money Institute, 
and author of the best-selling book, The Soul of Money, Transforming Your Relationship with Money and Life. And her newest book, which we're talking about today, Living a Committed Life, Finding Freedom and Fulfillment in a Purpose Larger Than Yourself. Over the past 40 years, Lynn has worked with over 100,000 people in 50 countries. Her clients include Microsoft, Procter & Gamble, the International Unity Church, Charles Schwab, United Way, the National Black Theater of Harlem, Harvard University, and others. She's spoken for the United Nations, Beijing Women's Conference, the State of the World Forum, Synthesis Dialogues with His Holiness the Dalai Lama, and the Governor's Conference on California Women, among many others. Lynn Twist is a recognized global visionary. She has served as an advisor to the Desmond Tutu Foundation and the Nobel Women's Initiative. Lynn is the recipient of the prestigious Women of Distinction Award from the United Nations. Welcome back, Lynn. Thank you. Amazing work that you've done. Amazing. I want to go back and talk about your first book. And I believe we did an interview many years ago about this, but I think it's a very important issue and one that many people struggle with, even when they have it, and that is money, right? I'd like you to talk to the entrepreneurs out there. I'm an entrepreneur as well. People in small businesses, people who don't have a steady paycheck, who, you know, love what they do, but, you know, it comes in and it goes out and it comes in and it goes out. And when it's out, you're worried about, will I be okay? That takes a lot of energy. And as you said, it's kind of like a negative prayer. Will I be okay? Will I be okay? Now, people still worry about this when they have a steady income because of whatever they're spending. So I'd like you to talk about money in terms of stability and security and how we can transform our attitude, particularly if we're worried about it or we're concerned we won't have enough. Well, um, thank you for asking uh, about that very, very central topic, um, because money is a big part of everybody's life. And, um, you know, I've been really blessed because um, I learned a lot of my lessons about money uh, and about life from people that I used to call poor. And Mm -hmm. I would never refer to them poor again, because because I know them, I've met them, I've worked with them in Ethiopia after the famine in 1984 and 1985, in Mozambique after the war, in Bangladesh um, after a tsunami, uh, in in Harlem, in uh, the south side of Chicago. People are whole and complete people. And when I think about the women in Ethiopia, for example, they exhibit more courage to live through a day than you and I are going to need in our lifetime. Mm. To call them poor is to demean them and demean ourselves by labeling that way. What's poor is not them, but their circumstances. Mm-hmm. They're whole and complete people living in the the crushing uh, oppression mm-hmm. of poor circumstances. And I learned a lot of my lessons about money from people I used to call rich, who, when you think about it, are whole and complete people living in the ebb and flow and often tyranny. And sometimes it's really a tyranny to have massively excess resources. I've learned that there's no have and have nots. We all have gifts. We all are whole and complete people. We all live in different circumstances and the circumstances change and they ebb and flow. And we're, if we really know who we are, we can deal with the circumstances. We don't need to become them. Um, So I'll start there. And then I'll say that money has hijacked life. We live in a monetized culture 
a commercial culture, consumer culture that's so intense and so commercialized and so um, overwhelming that we've made money more important than human life. Mm -hmm. And we all know that that's not true, but that we live as if Mm -hmm. it's more important than human life. We will, uh, you know, not talk to a brother or a sister for years over a money issue, which says money's more important than that relationship. And yet, down deep inside, we know that's not true. We won't speak to an ex-husband or an ex-wife for the rest of our life, even though we share children because of a money issue. I mean, it's just, it's incredible what people do around money that's inconsistent with their own humanity. And we will kill for money. And I don't just mean criminals. I mean, we will kill an ecosystem. We will destroy a rainforest. We will make money way more important than the natural world on which we depend. And there's huge, completely unbelievable industries that are literally destroying the very fabric of the, the life support system on which we depend. And they're the most profitable profitable industries in the world. So that says a lot about human beings, not just about those companies, but about the way things are organized. And then we've made made money more important than spirit or God. We do sell our soul for money, even the best of us. Mm. So we've made money more important than human life, the natural world, God or spirit, and that's a lie, and we all know it. Why, why are we and, doing that, Lynn? Why do you think that's happened? Well, Buddha said the the source of all suffering is a lie, which is kind of the punchline of what I just wanted to say before I say that. Um, We've done that because we live in a culture that believes in scarcity. Now, that sounds weird, but let me explain. So we have an unconscious, unexamined belief that there's not enough to go around. We really unconsciously believe that. We don't you know, discern and look and think that thought. No, we come from, we wake up in the morning with a mindset of scarcity that's before thinking, before deliberation, before opinion. It's just a come from in the consumer culture we live in. We're trained, almost brainwashed to unconsciously believe there's not enough to go around and someone's always going to be left out. And that unconscious, unexamined belief now permeates everything. It's like we wake up in the morning, I didn't get enough sleep. I don't have enough. I don't have enough. There's not enough. We don't have enough. It's not enough. There's not enough. I don't have enough. There's not enough. It's not enough is the siren song of a consumer culture. And if you think there's not enough to go around and someone somewhere is going to be left out, that immediately divides us. There's a them and an us. Mm -hmm. We determine who us is because we have to accumulate way more than we need for us because someone's going to be left out and we want to make sure Mm -hmm. it's not not me and mine. And that immediately creates unholy competition. We'll help those people someday, maybe, but when we have way more than we need. Now, that mindset, which we don't even know we have, and I'm I'm really calling it on the affluent, more affluent world, um, it 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 is it is so false <laughs> in my view. It's a lie. I call it the lie of scarcity. That also foments not only there's not enough thinking, but it foments that's the first toxic myth. The second toxic myth is more is better. More of anything and everything is better. So we're in a manic relationship with accumulation of more, 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 more of everything. Powerful. 
Yeah. And then the third toxic myth is that's just the way that it is and you can nothing do nothing about it. And this belief system is under the radar, but it shapes our behavior and our beliefs and how we operate. So uh, that's what I think is the source of our anxiety about money because the source of all suffering, as Buddha said, was a lie. And the source of our suffering around money is the lies we tell about it and what it will provide and what it won't provide. So I'll start there. And then sorry to be so long-winded, but that's kind of the, the, the underlying misunderstanding that has us by the throat, in my opinion. Mm. Well, and also money is power. That's also the interpretation, correct? Um, and you could transfer that maybe, you know, hundreds or 200 or 300 or thousands of years ago, people didn't use money, but they used other things, you know, power in the tribe or yeah. power, you know, uh, killing people for sacrifice. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot around this that may not be in, in, in translated as money in today's world, but it's still that kind of us against them. Yeah, it's a mindset and a mindset is not permanent. You can change it. Um, you know, the indigenous people we work with in the Amazon, they've never used money. So they uh, they say you can't hunt for it. You can't eat it. Why do people want it so badly? We had to explain to them that the whole world is like got hijacked by money. So, you know, we give money its power. We assign it its power. Money is not power. We assign it its power. It's it's a currency. It's It's money belongs to all of us or none of us, and it moves around. And it's like water. Uh, it can carry greed and avarice and and hurt and crime and 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 it, ill will, or it can carry goodness and love and heart and um and courage. And money's a carrier. It's innocent. Um, but when we keep it flowing with our good intention, it it, it, it makes things grow, it nourishes, it cleanses, it purifies. It's like water or blood. If blood keeps moving in the body and doesn't get clotted somewhere, uh, it, it's healthy. But when it clots, it can kill. Same thing with money. And so we, we misunderstand our relationship with money. We misrelate to it. We make it more important than human life, the natural world, or God. And we assign it that power. It doesn't have that power. But if we can... Um, realize that that mindset is false and realize that we have enough, we are enough, there is enough. If we let go of trying to get more of what we don't really need and turn our attention to love, cherish, and share what we have, what we have begins to expand. That's the law of sufficiency, the law of enough. When you're in touch with the enoughness, the sufficiency, the great fullness of life, and you drop into gratitude and appreciation. And as you said earlier, what you appreciate appreciates. Yeah. The, the enoughness that you actually are starts to be where you reside, and you have a very different relationship with money then. I want to go back to kind of your earlier years where, you know, a lot of this formed in your belief. And one of the institutions that you were part of or inspired by was EST. And I'd like yeah. you that because est had a lot of controversy around it 
A lot of people felt it was very dictatorial, you know, autocratic. And yet there were so many people whose lives were transformed. And I'd love to know what you learned from that. What are the lessons and maybe what you say to people today? I mean, Esther's no longer with us. There are certainly other other groups. Um, but talk about that, Lynn. Well, first of all, EST still exists in a completely different, uh, with a different name called the Landmark yes. Forum. Yeah, so it was going to so, say Forum. Yeah, yeah and it, 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 it's the con- continuity. It didn't go away. It, 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 it morphed. It, it transformed mm-hmm. into something that is a better fit for the times we're living in. Um, for me, EST was an, a miracle. It was a miracle. And um, it was intense. It was controversial. Uh, it had a cult-like feeling to it mm-hmm. uh, because people had such a profound transformation that they wanted everybody they ever met to take it. And they got a little bit uh, obnoxious about that. We, 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 I was one of those people. We were called S-holes, if you can. <laughs> I remember that. that I remember that. Um, and, um, and, and, you know, when you have, like, when you see a really awesome movie or go to a really great restaurant, you know, you want to share that with other people. Well, this was... 10,000 times a great movie, 10,000 times a great meal. It was uh, for the people who who got a lot out of it, and I was one of them. It woke me up out of a trance, a trance that was uh, a track I was on to keep up with the Joneses, to try to look a certain way, to you know have the right car, wear the right clothes, be cool, be with it. I was sort of a, my my husband was starting to make some money. We were what then we didn't use this term so much, but later we, they were called like yuppies, uh, people yeah. who were on some track to join the country club and you know be in the in the know. And that trap, and that's a money trap too. Uh, it, it has us be inauthentically living our lives, and one of the ways that I think Esther worked was it it was a it shook us out of the trance. And then we realized, no, I can be myself. I can be who I really am. I have a difference I can make. I can make a difference in the world. I can live a life of of gratitude and commitment and joy and and contribution. And that's what happened to me. I completed old wounds. I uh, things that never made sense to me in my life got got um, completed and 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 healed and left behind. And I felt totally liberated by the S training. Um, many, many millions of people did. And some, and because it was so uh, intense and it was uh, created by um, uh, the founder, Werner Erhard, who was quite a um, controversial guy. And it was formed in California. And that's when California was kind of like, you know, the, the hippie state. Yeah. Um, it, it was highly criticized. However, today I would say some of the greatest leaders in the world would look back and say that was one of the tap roots of their life yeah. that made a difference. Right. And also today, I have people that are very close to me that have been through Landmark and Forum, and it has transformed their lives. And and people who have been become leaders in, in Forum, and it has really um, been transformational. So as you said, it's an extension. Thanks for explaining that. Well, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, I want to talk to you about, you know, having said everything you said, how do we live a committed life? That's what I want to know. You know, what are the things that we can do? How do we find our purpose? Or if we have our purpose, how do we stay on track with our purpose? How do we find those resources and generate those? So that's what we're going to talk about. And the the new book by Lynn Twist is Living a Committed Life. 
And you can go to soulofmoney.org and find out everything about the book and where Lynn is speaking and and all of her work. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice, and we will be right back. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. It is time to change the negative narrative of divorce. Families are hungry for a different option. Listen to The Good Divorce Show with Karen McNinney. You will discover how to function as one family living in two homes. There are high-functioning, stable, and happy divorce families living in your neighborhood. What's their secret sauce? What did their journey look like? Do they have regrets or recommendations? Let's find out. It's never too late to have a good divorce. The Good Divorce Show, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. All who live face a time of passing. Is death the end or will souls enter an afterlife? Have you ever wondered about historical figures and what they would say if they were alive today? Psychics and authors Barry and Connie Strom will use their gift of spirit communication to answer questions and channel spirits concerning the hereafter. Tune in to Spirit Speak, exploring the afterlife with Barry and Connie Strom at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone, and we are back. We are talking about living a committed life and what that looks like and having purpose and having love and beauty in our life. And my guest today is Lynn Twist. She's the founder of the Soul of Money Institute and author of the best-selling book, The Soul of Money, Transforming Your Relationship with Money and Life, and her newest book, Living a Committed Life, Finding Freedom and Fulfillment in a Purpose Larger Than Yourself. Over the past 40 years, Lynn has worked with over 100,000 people in 50 countries. Her clients include Microsoft, Procter & Gamble, the International Unity Church, Charles Schwab, United Way, the National Black Theater of Harlem, Harvard University, and many others. She's been a featured speaker for the United Nations Beijing Women's Conference, State of World Forum, and Synthesis Dialogues with His Holiness the Dalai Lama, among others. Lynn is the recipient of the prestigious Woman of Distinction Award from the United Nations. Amazing. Welcome back, Lynn. All right. Another amazing thing that I want to bring up is your long-term marriage to the same person. 
for mm-hmm. 56 years. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, we have so much divorce, um, uh, second divorces, third divorces, and the number of people who've been married that long and have really happy marriages is in the minority. Mm-hmm. What has made your marriage work? And what would you say to people in relationship, long-term relationships? How do you keep that alive after all those years? And even short-term relationships? Well, the real answer is you you, you just have to marry Bill Twist and then everything turns out for you. <laughs> That's my real answer. <laughs> That's my husband. Um, but I... Um, I would say EST and the landmark work uh, has been really, really important to the two of us in our marriage. It's a, it's a really powerful part of our understanding of the world and understanding relationships. You know, do you want the relationship or do you want to be right? Uh, and if you want to be right, then you'll sacrifice the relationship and make the other person wrong. But if you want the relationship, you'll find a way through almost any conflict. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, we've always had a purpose larger than ourselves in our marriage. Our marriage has always been dedicated to something larger than itself. So it hasn't been um, what you call internally guided. It's been guided by the contribution we want to make together. So we've been, um, for many, many years, I was involved with the Hunger Project. Bill was a, a, ran a, a very successful company, several companies. Um, and we created a foundation to support the work of ending world hunger. And that, um, and he became the chair of the U.S. board. And we worked together on ending world hunger and creating a transformational uh, context for that issue. And that, uh, for our children, too, became, you know, if you have a purpose larger than your own life starring you or your relationship starring the two of you, you get through stuff. You don't have time to be petty and small with the other person and make them wrong and pick at them. You're too busy making something happen. And that is the case now. We both together work on the Pachamama Alliance, which we co-founded. And um, that's work we do in the Amazon rainforest with indigenous people uh, to really um, uh, put the sacred headwaters of the Amazon permanent protected status. That's our environmental work now. We've always had a cause greater than ourselves. And any money that we've garnered, it was really, you know, we take care of our family, but then dedicated to something larger than our family. So our, our my answer to that is don't make it so self-absorbed, your relationship. Mm-hmm. Dedicate it to something. And, um, you know, that doesn't mean that you'll get through every conflict if you need to separate. I, I totally respect that. And divorce can sometimes be a really beautifully done thing, like conscious uncoupling and doing it in a way that both people are better and have and create blended families with someone else. So I've seen beautiful things happen with people who've ended a marriage and started another one. In my case, ours it's not secret, but our our marriage is not a miracle. You know, there's a lot of hard work in there, but it's hard work in service of something higher than making our marriage work. We we we've dedicated it to something bigger than than ourselves, and that's really the subject of my book as well. Yeah, but you said something I'd like you to repeat. You said, "Is it more about the relationship or about the issue?" Right? About you want to make it about the relationship, or you want to make it about um, the issue? I mean, explain well, it. It's more about you know when we when you get into a tussle with your partner or with anyone, it's because you're trying to be right. Right, right through the relationship. Got it. Yeah, and that's this comes straight out of the S training. 
do you want to play at the right wrong table or do you want to play at we can we can find a way through this hmm. and you know if your intention is to have the relationship work then you get off your position you let go of making the other person wrong and making yourself right you find a way to see stand in their moccasins understand their point of view you may not agree with it but they're not wrong and you're right this right wrong game we play which is part of the you know the divisiveness in our country now it's the way the whole congress is in a mess um is is, is positionality its points of view uh that that you know what's what's being called for is taking a stand and i write about this in the book you probably read this chapter but the power of taking a stand rather than taking a position is not about being right or wrong it's about seeing all points of view as valid mm-hmm. actually going up above the the traffic or above, above the, mm-hmm. the opposition mm-hmm. and um, seeing that every point of view has something to contribute rather than one's right and one's wrong mm-hmm. and um and if your marriage is dedicated to something larger than itself that's really important larger than itself if your life is dedicated to something larger than your own life starring you it doesn't have to be ending world hunger like i did it can be being the best kindergarten teacher you could possibly be mm-hmm. and when those 5 year olds are in your care not only do they get taught how to read write and add and subtract they understand that they matter that their life is precious mm-hmm. that they they feel seen and that they always for the rest of their life there's a taproot that they got when they were 5 and 6 from their kindergarten teacher that they they that they are valuable human being that's a committed life so i'm i'm you know or you can be the best bus driver in the city mm-hmm. by the way you not by just the way you drive but the mood you create in your bus when people come on in your bus in the morning they have a good day so we we all have that power yet we think we've got to be right and the other person's wrong we they've got to see it our way no maybe they'll never see it your way do you want to try to consent to see it your way or do you want to have a relationship you know if you want to have a relationship let them be the way they are you know the definition of love in the old s training i still believe this is letting people be the way they are and the way they're not that's love It's okay with me. It's wonderful the way you are and the way you're not. So it's unconditional love, really. Yeah, unconditional love. Yeah, that's I learned that from Mother Teresa too. Yeah, and mm-hmm. one other thing I want to throw in with relation because because people think about it, particularly in long term marriages or long term partnerships, the whole chemistry thing, the whole um, intimacy piece. You know, we hear, well, after a while, it just it goes away. but that's not necessarily true and i just i want you to just touch on that for a minute keeping that part alive too um well you could say there's so much work now in the world of somatics yeah so much of how we live is carried in our bodies our hurts our wounds our our joys and if you really take that seriously then you you refresh and reignite all the parts of the relationship that are physical i i i learned from my friend zack bush who's a doctor and a great friend of mine I'm on his board that the 3 years of not hugging and embracing each other which we were doing hundreds and thousands of times a year not just with our beloveds but with each other but with friends when we saw them in the restaurant or at the movies 
has taken a toll on our physicality, on our bodies, and on our on our on our depression. Because of COVID through with the three because, COVID. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm speaking about COVID. Sorry, I didn't say that. And and that's part of the mental depression. Not hugging. Can you imagine not hugging being part of? And and I really believe that. But so now, um, you know, he says we need at least eleven hugs a day to to make up with with you know with different people. And you know, some people are reluctant to hug. I'd respect that because of COVID. But if you're not reluctant, I say hug. And not like, oh, kind of like, you know, like the polite British hug. No, full body, belly to belly, heart to heart. Embrace people. So that's not so much about sex, but it's in in relationship to that. So Bill and I, we took courses when it started to wane. We took tantric courses. We took courses from more university. We, um, we would, uh, you know... Uh, do things that would would in, inspire us um, to to have a, a more active sex life. There's all kinds of courses for that, and people, you know, when it starts to wane, there's people who really know how to turn that around. And so we've been very fortunate because we're healthy and we're, we're we we never gained a bunch of weight or anything. We feel fit and attracted to each other. I mean, we. Can't wait to see each other. He's in the Amazon right now. He's coming home on Saturday. I can't wait to see him. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that incredible? I mean, you're really, you're really living the example of what you talk about, Lynn. Yes, I, I hope so. That's my goal. <laughs> so what do you say to people who are listening to this and they want to live a more committed life? They want a more purpose-driven life and they're, they're not there, but they want that. What would you say? Well, uh, it. I say <laughs> that we're living at an epic time in history. Yes, there's a thousand breakdowns. Every single system is in breakdown, and it should be, because it's rooted in an inaccurate assumption of scarcity. And so Buckminster Fuller predicted that every institution of humankind by right around the, the 2020s would start to be so dysfunctional that we wouldn't be able to fix them. And um, that we would need to recreate life, regenerate our institutions, our economy, our education system, our political system, our healthcare system, and our relationship with the natural world. So it's this epic time in history. And if you're on the planet, you have a role to play. That's what I think. And it's not a big role or a small role. It's your role. And as Howard Thurman said, um, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes your heart sing. And do that because what the world needs is people whose hearts are singing. And I say, you know what your purpose is. You, you're, It's not an accident that you're on this planet at this time. Look and see what breaks your heart and look and see what makes your heart sing. And those two things are related. When you're able to, to address what breaks your heart, and the thing that breaks your heart most, if it's injustice for children, if it's um, the, the de desecration of a river, if it's um, a, 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 if it's a, an abuse of, of of animals, if it's um, if it's war, if it's uh, the you know a, a slave trade for for young girls, whatever breaks your heart, you have a role to play in that, uh, and go do something about it. And that will make your heart sing and will give you a life of fulfillment and a life of freedom. Because we try to protect ourselves from all these issues and just go home and, you know, stay in our houses and pretend they're not there. No, they're here for us to engage with so that we can have a committed, powerful, 
exciting life where we really make a difference and we leave this planet better than we found it. And that's my recommendation. Maybe it's not for everybody, but it has really worked for me. And I see it working for the young people. You know, if you think about who are the heroes and heroines of today, they're Malala, they're Greta Thunberg, they're Amanda Gorman. These are teenagers that are moving the dial, that are making the world a better place with their lives. Mm -hmm. And they're not only famous, they're living a fulfilled life. And that's available to you, to me, to everybody. Get engaged in something that makes your heart sing and that heals your broken heart. Mm -hmm. And you will have a life of fulfillment and freedom. Because when we're trying to keep our options open and keep ourselves safe and secure, it's a trap. It's really a trap. Get involved, get engaged. Health, well-being is a function of participation, not of drugs, not of sleep. Yes, sleep and stuff, but it's play your heart out and your life will sing. Mm. How beautiful. And and thank you so much for being on this program. I mean, it it it's so profound, I think would be my description of this interview. Profound. Thank you. And, and inspirational. Thank you. What was the name of the group there? The, the young people who get up in the morning. What's the name of the group again? Called Daybreaker. Daybreaker. So everyone look up Daybreaker to Not see. Daybreakers, Daybreaker. And, Daybreaker. Um, and it can be any age, right? Any age person. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yes, exactly. Okay. It was All right. They, and, and to find you, they just go to soulofmoney.org. Can yes. people write to you there or send you a note through the, through the website? Yes, info at soulofmoney.org. And also, you'll also find a lot of wonderful things that I just want to make sure I say pachamama.org, the, the work that we do in the rainforest and the work that we do free educational programs online that are just spectacular, that engage people in the great issues of our time. Pachamama, P-A-C-H-A-M-A-M-A.org. Also, I'm a co-founder of that. Thank you so much. Stay with us for a second. Thank you so much. It was just as I said, profound and inspirational. My guest, Lynn Twist, author of the best-selling book, Soul of Money, Transforming Your Relationship with Money and Life, and her newest book that we talked about today, Living a Committed Life, Finding Freedom and Fulfillment in a Purpose Larger Than Yourself. Um, you can find me, Patricia Raskin, uh, Patricia Raskin, Raskin Resources on Facebook. Um, you also, if you'd like to copy of my newsletter, just write to me, Patricia, patriciaraskin.com. And if you're thinking of doing your own podcast and want to get this wonderful message out to the public, I help you. I've interviewed about 5,000 people and I can help you put that together. So again, Patricia, patriciaraskin.com. Remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.